0: Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us. Today's series, The Wrong Christmas Story, Part 2, Happiness. So week we started a new series called The Wrong Christmas Story, and we set this up by talking about a little bit of the context of where the Israelites were before Jesus even came. You know, the, the Israelites had had a long and complicated history with, with, with God. I mean, they were God's chosen people, the Jews, the Israelites were. And the whole Old Testament covers kind of the the, the story of where they went and and the the rise of the kingdom and the fall of the kingdom and, and everything that came. But all of this, it was always God's plan all along. Uh, to get to Jesus. Everything that was an old was a means to an end, and that end was Jesus. And through Israel's long and complicated past, many things that they asked for that God never intended, things they asked for like a king, things they asked for like a temple, all of that faded away, and it set up room for a Savior to come. And so as they waited for Jesus, generations they waited for Jesus, they had in their mind everything that they had thought Jesus was going to be. They thought Jesus would come and they would be their king would be their solomon would be their david maybe even be their warrior they thought that jesus would come and put them right back where they once were put them in the position put them in the power put them in the control put them in the safety that they had once had and so they waited and they waited and as they waited they imagined and as people kind of came into this the scene and started to begin to profit profit and preach then they started to think maybe this is him maybe this is the savior and what we see when we get the, to the arrival of Jesus as a grown man, about the age between you know, 30 and 33, then all of a sudden we see that the Israelites got the Christmas story, the Christ story, very, very wrong. Everything they thought Jesus was going to be, he wasn't. And everything that they didn't want him to be, he was. And it's so very important for us to understand the Christ story as, our, as ourselves. That makes sure that we get the Christmas story right. Because when we don't get the Christmas story or the Christ story correct, then we misrepresent Christ to the world. Sometimes we can do damage even to the kingdom of God. And so we're kind of taking a look at this. And last week we talked about how the Jews thought that Jesus came to destroy their enemies or to defeat their enemies, right? Right? But we talked about that wasn't true at all. Actually, what ended up happening is that Jesus actually came to help them forgive their enemies. And he spoke so much about forgiveness and about letting people's debts be paid off and letting it be done and, and, and being done away with those. And we talked about that last week. But this week, I want to talk to you about a little bit different aspect. And I want to talk to you about happiness. You know, Jesus, in many ways, redefined happiness. Happiness. And the Israelites, they thought that Jesus came to make them happy. Jesus is going to come and he's going to be our savior. He's going to save us. He's going to deliver us. And again, remember their history. When they heard deliverance, they thought in the same aspect that God delivered them from Pharaoh in Egypt. Which included God taking them out of slavery and putting them in the promised land. God taking their enemy Pharaoh and his his armies and defeating them and killing them. So again, they're in their head, they're thinking, Jesus is coming to make us happy. To give us the throne, to give us the kingdom, to give us the perks of the promised land once again. But man, were they disappointed when they found out that Jesus had no intention of doing any of that. But in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, same sermon we looked at last week, where he talked about forgiveness and he talked about how we should pray to God, about forgiving our debts as we forgive our debtors. He also talked about happiness. And he talked about what a happy person looks like. Except for he doesn't use the word happy, he uses the word blessed or blessed. But in the Greek, that word blessed or blessed means happy or fortunate. And he, in his Sermon on the Mount, begins to break down for the people who are watching and for us who are still reading and listening today, what a happy person looks like. Now, we've actually looked at this passage of Scripture, and I've preached on this three times this year. So if you've been a part of Anchored Hope in 2020, you're probably thinking to yourself, does he not have an original thought? Like, does he just like go back to this, like when everyone's been quarantined and he has nothing else to talk about? No, not at all. But how appropriate is this passage today in a world where we've lived through what we've lived through in 2020? So just one last time, I want to look at this passage where Jesus talks what a happy person or what a blessed person looks like. So he begins to break this down and and he he tells them, Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. He continually goes into this. And, And this is what he says He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's so great about this passage is I feel like our response today is the same as their response back then. When we hear that blessed are, or, happy are the poor in spirit, we go, what in the world are you talking about? When I'm poor in spirit, when I'm broken, when I'm anxious, when I'm fearful, when I'm feeling blah, uh, that's not happy. That's not blessed. That's get me out of here as fast as you can. That's do you have a pill for that? That's I need a vacation. That's I'm ready to quit my job. Nobody ever thinks, oh, I'm poor in spirit. Thank you, God. So blessed am I. So blessed are we that uh, me and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are all quarantined together for the next 24 days. Oh, blessed I am. Happy day. Merry Christmas. No, we don't ever think that, right? I mean, that doesn't seem like something that we should bless, be blessed about. But the thing that Jesus was trying to tell us is happy are the people who are in a point where they are lacking something, where our securities, the things that we prop up our happiness on, are suddenly taken away or temporarily removed, and we're kind of left with nothing. He says, blessed you are, happy you should be when you're poor in spirit. Because in front of you is an opportunity. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what happens when you're poor in spirit? when everything is kind of taken away from you, you're put into a position. You're put into a position to understand something. And it's that this, and we've talked about this before, happiness is not about is not built on what you have, but who has you. When all of those things that we prop our happiness on are taken away, we're reminded that, you know what, it's not about what I have. It's it's not about whether I have good days or bad days or plenty or, 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 or none. It's about who has me. And he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for the kingdom of God is theirs. There is something we receive from God during those seasons. Patience, endurance, perseverance. We're reminded in those moments that we don't have what it takes. That nothing that we have can truly fill us nothing that we have can truly get the job done or leave us satisfied and so jesus is saying in those moments all blessed are you you have a huge opportunity to understand something and to receive the kingdom of heaven to get a little glimpse of what it's going to be like in eternity with god is that your happiness is going to be built on your relationship with your saviour Your happiness is going to be built on who has you, not what you have. And then he goes on and he says, And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Man, there's been a lot of mourning this year, hasn't there? A lot of us have experienced loss this year. Some of us have lost a job. Some of us have lost loved ones. Many of us have have, have lost vacations. We've lost experiences. Uh, Many of our kids, their their educational experience, their school experience, their experience with their friends, those things have been taken from them. And so really, during 2020, all of us, in one way or another, we've experienced loss and we've mourned. And boy, do we hate that, don't we? I mean, I would say that today we, we don't really understand the healthy way to mourn. Anymore, I think that a lot of times when we experience loss, it's a situation, it's a seat on the bus that we want to get out of as quickly as possible, that we do not like to live in by any means. But Jesus says, "Happy are those who mourn; blessed are those who mourn." And, and you know what? I, I, I've kind of come to understand this verse a little bit better in 2020, and and, and that's that. You know, when we go through these seasons of loss it's not fun it's not pleasurable it's nothing i would wish on anybody but there is something that happens when we mourn it says blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted do you know the only way for you to experience comfort is through loss what reason does anyone ever have to comfort you unless you've lost something and when we are comforted There is an experience that we have that is unlike any other. When we are comforted, do you know what we discover? When we are comforted, we understand how much we are loved. I had the the pleasure this year. uh, Tom Miller, who greeted you in the parking lot as you walked in today if you're here in person. He lost his mother last month. And I had the the, the pleasure of, of attending that funeral This this last month and I surprised Tom. I didn't tell him I was coming. It was in downtown St. Louis and I I showed up at the funeral and I I tapped Tom's shoulder and uh, I came up and, and, and gave me a hug. And then I got this honor of Tom taking me to each of his family members and introducing me as his pastor. And even though all of them thought I was the youth pastor and didn't understand what I was doing there, um, I got the opportunity, just making sure you're awake, to meet each of his family members. And then he took me to this TV screen, much like the one that's on the the stage. And he took me as a a photo uh, slide reel ran of his mother's life and pictures of him when he was a child, when he actually did have hair at one point. And took me through this and told me the story of his mother raising him and his siblings alone. Told me about where she had lived, how she grew up in St. Louis her entire life, where she had spent her life, and how it connected to everybody. And man, in that moment, I felt closer to Tom than I had ever been. The joy and the pleasure that he got telling his mother's story to me. It was an incredible, incredible funeral and experience to have. You know, we had never, would never have had that experience unless he had experienced loss. And again, that loss, we mourn that loss. We, 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 that loss is unfortunate. However, in it gave us an opportunity to grow closer together. In it, it gave me an opportunity to show my love for Tom and to comfort him. And in many ways for me to feel comforted as well. Just this last month, too, again, a lot of stuff has happened in 2020. I remember when uh, Jenny Keppel, uh, our worship leader, CJ's wife, she broke her leg ice skating. Again, um, no drinking was involved. She's just not very good at it. And so she broke her leg ice skating. And, you know, she came to church on, on crutches and wobbled in. And, man, we all felt sorry for her. But then it was so amazing to me. Again, how our church so many times can surprise me and just be the church without being asked to be the church. And a week later, Jenny wrote this awesome social media post how all of these different families in her small group had come and shown up at their house and provided them dinner just to alleviate a little bit of stress, just to alleviate a little bit of pain. And how Jenny just wrote this social media post about how thankful she was for her church family, how in her comfort she was reminded how important it is to belong to a body of believers who love each other unconditionally. And she said, I'm just so thankful. My heart is just so full. I'm just so happy. But Jenny, you just broke your leg. How could you be happy Because in the midst of a bad experience, in the midst of mourning and loss, when we feel comfort, we become connected to one another even more deeply. When we become comforted together, we understand just how much we are loved. And the truth is this. Out of terrible circumstances is an opportunity to feel loved by God and others. And you will never experience true happiness until you understand just how much how loved you are. Isn't that the truth? So when you experience loss, when you experience loss and you have to mourn, although it's a season you wouldn't ever want to go through again, actually what is intro- you've been introduced to is an opportunity to be comforted and to be loved and to experience the joy that Christ brings through himself and through our body of believers together. Then he, he, he goes on. And he says this. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Man, this could be the word of 2020 for Anchored Hope Church. Because we've talked about what this means. Meekness means what? It means gentleness of strength is what the Greek translation of this word is. Gentleness of strength. When we experience strength. Meekness, it means I'm choosing to be gentle. Gentleness is a quality. And and here's the thing, man. Nobody ever really looks for somebody who's gentle, right? Nobody ever looks in that, and especially us men, you know, we don't ever look at that as a a quality or something we'd like to grow to be. I want to grow up one day, and I want to be as meek as my dad. I just want to be gentle, like a little dove, you know? That's what I want to be one day. No, we think about being hard and strong and and persevere and rough and tough, right? Right? But think about this just for a minute. I mean, just, just kind of break this down practically. And understand how counterculture this was for the Jews. The Jews were a lot like we are today. The Jews were rough. They were conquerors. They were fighters. They were warriors. Remember, look at the Old Testament story. When they were entering into the promised land, they went and invaded and took over and took what was promised to them by God. God said, go. God said, "Conqueror," And they took what they needed to take. That's what they were used to. In many ways, the Jews were racist bullies. I mean, they were God's people and they didn't really worry about anybody else. And where God told them to go, they went and they took over. And it was all a part of God's plan to get them where they needed to be, to grow into the empire they needed to be, to get to the line that gave us Jesus. So it was necessary but that was what they were used to. They were used to being fighters, and they were hoping Jesus was going to be a fighter too. And then hippie Jesus steps up there with his hair, and he goes, Hey, guys, happy are the gentle people. Happy are not the conquerors, not the people who take what they need. Happy are the people who are gentle, who are dainty, you know, who are nice, who are merciful. And again, these Jews are, this definitely isn't the guy we've been waiting for gentleness of strength are you kidding me but but think about it practically for just a minute right everybody has that one friend who is just too nice right like just you just want to go like you know sometimes you even try to stir them up just to see if it's in them you know what i mean like you just kind of just touch the button just a couple times just to see i just want to know is it in them? Because I know it's in me all the time. So I just want to know for my own you know, self-esteem that it's in them too. And you just try and it's nothing. You know, for me, it's Stuart. I, I don't know if Stuart... Is mean at all. I've never seen it. I don't know. Uh, he's, doing a, he's doing a home edit right now to the church closets. I mean, I can't hate this guy. I love him every time I see him. I just I, just, I want to squeeze him. and I want to hug him. That's all I want to do, you know. But that friend who's just so nice, you know that guy, right? That person, that girl at work. There's, everybody has it. And you know, when that person goes through something hard, what does everybody do for that person? They jump in and they just give them whatever they need. Right, Like that person who's too nice, that person who is meek and gentle, who, who never stirs the pot at work, who never gossips about anything, but always has something positive to say, who's always optimistic. That person, man, when they go through something, you just want to give them the world. Like when they go through something, you're like, we are going to take such good care of them. They don't even have to ask. And I think that that was Jesus' point that we need to understand practically. You know, people who take what they want, get what they want, but aren't very liked at the end of it. People who take whatever they're looking for and force themselves through it, man, those people, they get what they want, they get what they need, but at the end, they've lost a lot of friends through it. But the people who are meek, the people who are gentle, You know what? They don't have to take or ask for anything. They get gifted what they need. And so for you and I, when we think about meekness and think about, oh, but that's so, you know, that's so, you know, just too gentle. But here's the thing, when you're meek, you get gifted grace. You get gifted mercy. You get gifted what you need. And you don't even have to ask. You don't have to force yourself into anything. It gets gifted to you. So doesn't that just practically sound like a person who's probably way more happy, who's probably way more fulfilled, who's way more blessed, is a person who exercises meekness, who has gentleness as a strength, and they are gifted what they need by people? That's what Jesus' point was. And then he goes on. And he says this, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus' point was that for every single one of us, we should thirst. We should want righteousness. We should want to do the right thing. We should want to be in right relationship with God, which also means being in right relationship with others. We should strive for that. We should want that. The people who do that, they will be filled. The people who thirst for that will be fulfilled in their life. Another way of saying it is this, is happy people. Happy people are those with no regret, no guilt, and a clear conscience. Now, here's what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean you won't ever do anything wrong. What it's talking about is blessed are the people who always want to do the right thing. Who always when they even do what's wrong, take responsibility for it. When people do do something wrong by their brother or sister, when people do do something wrong by their family member or their coworker, when they do do wrong, they take responsibility for it. Because they are thirsty They are hungry to be righteous people. And so when something wrong does happen, they they take responsibility for it. They don't hide it. They don't cover it up. They don't put a mask on it. They deal with it. They handle it. They take responsibility for that. And people who do that are far, far happier than people who are living their lives with a mask on, acting like what happened didn't happen. People who take responsibility get to handle it now. But people who go on and don't live righteously, who don't deal with it, the snowball just kind of collects and rolls and becomes bigger and bigger. And let me tell you something as a pastor, what I've seen happen is as the snowball gets bigger, once it explodes, it does a lot of damage. And the longer that you don't take responsibility for it, the more damage it does. And usually... Nobody's happy when that happens. So Jesus says, Happy are the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who, yeah, they don't live perfectly, but even when they do mess up, they take responsibility for it. They do what's right by their brother and their sister and by God. Then he continues on and he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, a lot of this goes back to what we talked about last week what Jesus said about the idea of forgiving others that Jesus that God will not forgive us unless we forgive others that forgiving others is a part of the equation we have to show mercy to one another Someone who's holding a debt over our head, we have have no right to hold debt over other people's heads. Especially when God has done what he's done and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay our debts, to, to forgive us of our sin. When Jesus showed us mercy and let us off the hook, then we have no right to not show mercy to anybody else. And so Jesus speaks these words of truth again. He goes, blessed are those who are merciful. The people who are merciful, they will be shown mercy. And you know, that's, again, really hard for a lot of us. But I was so encouraged by so many great stories that were shared last week about people who who texted that person's name and then erased it and canceled their dad. But you know, when you find that person, somebody who has been able to go through a divorce and find peace, Somebody who has been able to, to leave a job and find peace. Somebody who's been done unjustly but is able to find peace. Here's what you find in that person. You don't find a person who get, who gets what they deserved. You don't always find a person who gets what's fair or what's justified. But, but here's what you get. When you scratch the surface of a, of a happy person, you find someone who has decided to be relationally generous. When you scratch the surface of a happy person, what you will find is somebody who decided to be relationally generous. And even though their ex-husband or ex-wife didn't deserve mercy, they gave it to him. You will find somebody who had a boss or who had a co-worker who doesn't deserve mercy, but they gave it to him anyway. Not just for their sake, but so that they could move on to their next chapter, so that they could move on to their next job, so that they could move on to their next relationship, so that they could close that chapter and begin another one. You will find in happy people, people who have decided to be relationally generous and show mercy. And then he goes on and he says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now again, think about context here for a minute. This is the first time that purity and matters of the heart have ever really been talked about. The Old Covenant law, the Old Testament law, the 613 commands, it was really about compliance when you look at it, right? The Old Testament law was about compliance. God said, here are the rules, comply. Here are the laws, comply. Here's what you need to do, comply. That's how they had lived their entire life, compliance. But now as Jesus comes on the scene and he talks about the heart and the condition of the heart and purity of heart, what Jesus was saying is he was talking about intention. And the new covenant command says, I have every intention to put you before me. Because here's what the Israelites knew and here's what we know. When there are laws to comply by, you can always find your way around laws, right? You can always find your ways around compliance issues. Trust me, my wife's in compliance. I know all about it. I know a lot of officers. They meet a lot of people who find ways around it. We can all find ourselves around laws and regulations. But Jesus came to give us something better, something we couldn't fake, And he says, I don't want you to comply to just laws. I want you to make sure that you're pure of heart. I want to make sure that you live with the intention of putting others before yourself. And I'm going to model that for you. And I'm going to show you how that's done. But that's what's most important. Is that you have the intention to put the you next to you in front of you. Think of how different that really is because it takes you far past just what you have to do and puts you in a space to do what you really know you need to do. It puts you in a space where there's not a minimum requirement, not a bar to reach. But when Jesus is the bar, we understand just how far we need to go how far beyond our capability, how far beyond our capacity we have to go. And Jesus goes, you know what's most important is that in your heart that you have every intention to put the person next to you, in front of you. And you have every intention that even when you mess that up, even when you do sin against your brother or your sister, that you have every intention as a person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, that you have every intention to do what you need to do. To be responsible for your actions. To make sure that even when you do wrong, you put the you next to you in front of you. He says, blessed are those who are pure in heart. I don't want you to just comply to the rules and the regulations I've given you. I want you to live a life of intention. An intention intention of loving each other. And then he, he goes on and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who live a life wanting peace. Who don't want to run around stirring the pot. Who really just want to go on and just live a life of peace. Who don't want to stir up the dust or kick up the dust, but want to let the dust settle. People who are looking for peace. Those are the people who will be called the children of God. The people who want peace, this is a marker. This is an indicator of being a child of God. And he goes on and he says, And blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for trying to do the right thing. Who take responsibility for their actions. Who are trying to do right by God and do right by others. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then... He begins to end, and he also says, blessed are those people who are insulted, who are persecuted. When, when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, you are blessed, you are happy. Which again, as he, as he dives further into this and he begins to wrap it up, the, the Israelites are beginning to think, I don't think he's here to save us. I don't know what he's talking about because he's he's talking about, hey, and by the way, when the persecution comes, when the insults come, uh, when you're knocked down even further than you already are on the totem pole, guess what? Blessed are you. Happy are you. It's going to be great. And the Israelites are going, are you you kidding me? That is not the life of a blessed person. That's not the life of uh, the person that I'm thinking of. See, the thing is, Is God was preparing them for something. Because they thought things were dark then, but they had no idea just how dark things were going to get, how bad things were going to get. God was preparing them for a time where they would be persecuted, where many of them would suffer the same kind of death and crucifixion that He had suffered, that He was going to suffer Himself. It's why Jesus told them. Things that like they were going to have to pick up their cross in order to follow them. It's why he told them it would be hard for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's why he told the apostles who followed him closely, Look, I just want you to know if you follow me, many of you are going to die a sinner's death on a cross like me. He was preparing them. And the Israelites, they thought God was coming to make them happy. And boy, did they get the Christmas story wrong. What they learned very quickly from Jesus' words is that Jesus wasn't coming to make them happy. An important lesson to take from what Jesus said about happiness is this. No one can make you happy. No one can make you happy. See, God had tried many, many times to make them happy, to make them comfortable, to give them what they needed. And even every time God did exactly what they wanted, it was never enough. They were never satisfied. Still, even when they had the entire world, they just wanted to be like everybody else. Still they abandoned God. Still they left God. And so God, he comes, comes with Jesus and he goes, Look, here's what you need to get straight. I am not here to make you happy. Because here's the truth. No one can make you happy. And for just a minute, we need to understand that that, does, that doesn't just apply to our relationship with God. See, many of us, are looking to our spouse to make us happy. As a matter of fact, when you started to date, when you were a serial dater, that's what you were looking for—someone to make you happy. I'm looking for someone to make you ha- make me happy. And maybe you thought you found that person, and maybe you had that honeymoon phase. But then life started to happen, and that honeymoon phase you wore off, and you started to look at the person. You're like, "Hey, you're you're not making me happy." These kids, you had kids. I think I'll have some kids. Kids will make me happy. I like kids. And then you had kids. and You realize kids definitely don't make you happy. You know? Like maybe at certain times during the day, grandkids definitely make you happy. Kids, no. So you got to wait a long time before you're actually happy, right? And so you're looking for that. You're like, no one is making me happy. Some of you, you're looking for a job. You're looking for a boss. You're looking for something. I'm looking for a job. For what? What are you looking for? I'm looking for someone to make me happy. But here's what you need to realize. No one can make you happy. And it is unfair to put that expectation on anyone. It's unfair to put that expectation on God. It's unfair to put that expectation on your spouse. It's unfair to put that expectation on your parents. It's unfair to put that expectation on your kids. It's unfair to make that expectation on your boss or your co-workers or your neighbor. Look, no one can make you happy. It doesn't work that way. If you are looking for someone to make you happy, you will always find yourself dissatisfied. So they realize Jesus is not coming to make us happy. And when Jesus, when you take the words of Jesus and when you understand what the apostles understood, what Paul understood so well, what James understood, is that happiness doesn't come from someone. Happiness is an outcome. Happiness is a result. It is an outcome and it is a result of a life lived. It is a sum Of decisions that you make. When you are mourning. When you are poor in spirit. When you are hungry. When you are alone. When you are persecuted. And when you are insulted. When the days are good. And when the days are bad. Happiness doesn't come from anyone. It comes from a life lived. And it goes so well with what Jesus told His disciples. Because when he told them why he came, he said, I'm not here to make you happy. But he did promise them this. He said, here's why I'm here. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I haven't come to take anything from you. I haven't come to kill anything. I have come that you may have happiness. No. I have come that you may have life. And you may have it to the full. See, The right Christmas story, what the Israelites learned, what you and I have to understand, is this. Jesus didn't come to make us happy. Jesus came to give us life. Jesus came to give us life. And when you have a relationship with God, and you live like Jesus... And you accept the life that he wants to give you. A life that is full. A life that isn't built on people or seasons or money. When you live a life full of purpose and you live a blessed life that is able to still mourn and find joy that's able to be poor in spirit and find joy, that's able to be persecuted and insulted and and who choose to be righteous and be merciful and peaceful. When you live a life like that, the kind of life that that, that God wants to give you, you won't always find the immediate happiness or satisfaction you're you're looking for, but, but at the end of your life, on the day that they honor and celebrate you, they will look at your life and they will say, they were so blessed. They were so blessed. But here's the great part. It doesn't just end there. Because Jesus gave us another promise in that same sermon. Jesus, he tells a a parable of a man who was given... Uh, money from his master and he decided to be a good steward of what was given to him and the man took what his master gave him and he invested it wisely. He doubled the investment. And the master looks at the person that he gave, he entrusted to this sum of money and he says this to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. So I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's Happiness. See, here's the thing. Many of us are looking for happiness, but no one can make you happy. You want to know the real way to happiness? It's through a life worth living, it's through a life connected to Christ and connected to others. And the thing is, is that when you live a life worth living, what you receive is a legacy is a story on this earth as a blessed person, but it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. It's when you live that kind of life that the master meets you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful with what I gave you, now, now you will share in the master's happiness. So, Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be happy? I think a lot of us do. I think a lot of us are looking for happiness in life and looking for a life worth living. And here's the thing. In in 2020, a lot of us would say we don't have a lot to be happy about. But that's not true, is it? What we've been given is an opportunity to really understand what happiness truly is. And if there's nothing else that you take from 2020, is that understand that if your life is built on something or someone making you happy, you will continually always wait for happiness to come. If you're looking for happiness from something or from someone, then get ready to live a life full of highs and lows. Because when the days are low, you will be unhappy. And when the days are high, you will wait for them, you will pray for them, and as they come along, then you will be high and you will be happy again. But then as soon as the days become low again, you will probably follow along in their path. And if that's the life you want to live, then that's fine. But it's not relationally fair. And it's never a success for a good marriage, and it's never a success for a good relationship with your kids, and it's definitely not a good career move. However, what Jesus is offering you is a life worth living. What Jesus wants to give you is not happiness now, but happiness later. He wants to help you live a life where the outcome is purpose, where the outcome is blessed, where the outcome is meaning and impact for the kingdom of God, not for this kingdom here. So what I would ask you to do during this time during these unfortunate times, during these complicated times, when you are not feeling so blessed, is to remember how blessed you really are. God wants to give you a life, a life to the full. He did not come to kill or destroy or steal anything from you. He came to give you life, but he did not come to make you happy. Don't put that expectation on anyone. Don't put that expectation on him. This week, maybe what we all need to do is spend time with God, just as that scripture verse from James said. Spend time praying over the things that we've lost and praising God for the things He has done and the things He has yet to do. And if we live that kind of life that is not in it for the short term, but is in it for the long haul, the outcome, the result will be happiness. Let me pray for you. God, this morning, as we talk to you, God, this morning, would you search our hearts? God, you know this morning what I've been searching for in my life. God, I think every single one of us want to be happy. But God, this morning I recognize that happiness is not going to come from a person or a thing. It's not going to come from a job. It's not going to come from anything that this world has to offer. God, true happiness comes through a life lived. It's an outcome. It's a result. It's a legacy. So God, would you help me in the midst of this year, in the midst of my situation... Would you help me to be reminded how blessed I am? Would you help me to take this opportunity, Lord? And would you help me to use it? Would you transform me? Would you make me more into your son, Jesus Christ? Would you make me righteous and merciful and peaceful? Would you help me as I mourn to know how comforted I am, to feel comforted, and also to comfort others? God, would you help me When I am put into a position where I feel like I have to scratch and claw and force my way into happiness, would you remind me that it's the meek, it's the gentle who are gifted what they need? And God, would you help me to be relationally generous to other people? Would you help me to be merciful and forgiving? Because I know that it is only through forgiveness that you will forgive me. God, help me to live that kind of life. Help me to live that out. Help me to be focused on not the short term but the long haul, the eternity that I want to spend with you, God, where I can receive true happiness with my mas- from my master. Would you help me to be faithful with the few things that you have made me responsible for? And may I be able to do right by you with them, Lord, with my family, with, with my job, with my position, with my authority, with the voice that I have. God, would you help me to be responsible with them so that the day that I meet you, you would look at me and say, Well done. My good and faithful servant. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to support Anchored Hope, you can make a donation at forward slash give. To connect with someone from Anchored Hope, please go to forward slash hi. Thank you for listening and God bless.